want to talk to you about uh, Jesus, that about you will stand in the coming storm. You will stand in the storm. Amen? How many want to stand? Right? So if you got standing in the storm, if you got your Bible, go with me to Matthew 7, and we're going to look at this. But, but listen, how many have ever been, you, you, you've seen a hurricane that has come, a huge hurricane that has come, and then after the aftermath, I mean, it has, it, there is nothing, but there is just rubble and, and, and just two-by-fours and roofs and everything just blown away, but then there's like one house standing there. One house in the middle of all that, just standing there, like how in the world did it just devastate all of this, and yet there's one house standing here. And, and, and you go to that man, and you ask that man, how in the world is that house standing? And he may say something to you like this, well, I built my house according to the code that Florida or Alabama said could withstand a hurricane. All these other people cut corners and did not build their house according to the code. And because of that, their house did not stand. Well, let me tell you something. I'm going to give you something today that the Bible says. The Bible says. The Bible says. That's the code. If you build your house upon what the Bible says, your house will stand when the storm comes. The problem is we're not building our house on what the Bible says. We're building it upon our opinion of what the Bible says. We're building it upon what man says about what the Bible says. We're building it on all kind of arguments of what people say about the Bible says. If you want to stand in the last day, you got to build it on the code, and it's what the Bible says. Everybody has a worldview, okay? Some people's worldview includes God. If it doesn't include God, your worldview does not include God or the God of the book that says the Bible says your house is not going. Got, I got a warning. I got news. You can call it whatever you want to. I'll be the guy with the sandwich board saying the sky. I don't care. If you don't build your life on a biblical worldview from now on, your house is going to fall. It's going to fall. It's already fallen. They're falling left and right out there. But it's going to get worse because i got news for you. The storm is not going to get better from here on out. I got, it's going to get worse. Okay? Did you, Turkey and Syria, over, they're saying over 50,000 people are going to be dead. 50,000 people. Folks, that, 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 is like, that doesn't seek in as we go eat our Big Mac today. 50,000 people here yesterday and gone in a moment. Earthquake and gone. I mean, I mean, I mean that, 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 is, that is like, we, that, that doesn't even move us. Because our Western media seems to be hiding the images of little babies being pulled out and babies born and all the devastation of biblical proportions of what can happen in a moment time that the earth can open up and swallow up a whole group of people. Or like just like we're reading in the, in the Word of God where all of a sudden an angel comes down and 80,000 people are gone or this or that. We're seeing that happening on the face of the earth and we just go on with our lives. 
like with no fear of God, like nobody running in, uh, to the prayer closet and saying, dear God, what is going on? I mean, there are people, but, but I mean, God is shaking things, amen? The world is shaking. Things are happening, and, and if you want to, uh, storms are coming, and storms are beating up against the house, and they're going to intensify, and if we, we want to be ready, I want my house to stand. I want this church to stand. I want my family to stand. I want my children, I want my grandchildren to be able to stand in this hour that we're living in. So I want this community to. So we want to be on the, on, the, on the building code of what the Bible says in this last hour and this last hour. Because here's the tsunami. I was listening to a person that I loved this morning for a few minutes. And he said, here is the tsunami that, that, is, that we are in now. And he said, it's a tsunami of filth. It is a tsunami of filth that has come upon us in this world right now. And it's beating on every house, every church, every family. And he says, here's what the tsunami of filth does. It calls good evil and evil good. And he said, here's what's going to happen. We're already in the battle. Whether you like it or not, you are in the battle, Christian. You are in the battle. It's a good song to open up with when the saints go marching in. It's a good song because we are in a battle right now. And I'm going to tell you what the battle is. The battle comes when the church calls evil, evil, and good, good. No, look at me up here. We got a lot. The, the, the battle is going to come now. And we've got to do it. The battle is going to come when we call evil, evil, and good, good. Okay? Young person, do you, do you understand now that when you do that at the workplace and you're going to have to, you're going to get written up? No, you're going to get written up. It's coming. You're going to have a file with HR. It's coming with you at school. When you stand up and call evil, evil, and good, good, it's going to go against the battle of the world, and you're going to be suspended from school. Well, you're going to be thrown out of colleges. You're going to be put out of certain places. That's where we are. You're going to lose your tax exemption. You're going to be cut off of places because that's the battle where we are. The world is saying evil is good and good is evil, and now it's time for us to rise up and say no evil is evil according to what God says and good is good according to what God says and when we do there's going to be a backlash but that's the only house that's going to stand and so there's going to be an incredible season of hardship worldwide financial hardship hear me financial hardship social confusion Nation rising against nation, possibility of new diseases and famines all over the world. And yet Jesus promised that in the midst of all of this, you can stand in the storm. If you've got your Bibles, go to Matthew 7 and let's look at what this word says. Therefore, whoever hears, everybody say here and look at me. Everybody, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does, say does. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Look at the next verse. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat vehemently on that. This is the house on the rock, folks. This is, the rock, this is the rock house. This is the house on Jesus, right? This is the house. You, no, no, I don't, I don't claim that, brother. Don't speak that. You need to quit with that kind of theology. 
Read the word of God. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall. I think the King James says vehemently on that house. It beat vehemently on that house. I don't know what that totally means, but that's a big word and it sounds pretty, pretty dangerous to me. It beat hard upon that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. That tells me every house is going to be tested. That tells me whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, storms are coming and they're coming fast. Fast and furious. Go to the next verse. But everyone, everyone who hears these sayings of mine, the code, the code, the building code in the last days, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them though will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And look what it says. And the rain descended on them and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Anyone building outside of God's word, which is a lot of folks today, anybody building outside of this, you're, you're, you're headed for a great fall. No, I'm going to give it straight like it is. Tell it like it is. Because I'm not saying it. Your Lord and Master is saying it. God Almighty is saying it. That anyone who does not build on this book right here, if you don't value and treasure these words enough to read them, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't care enough about this book to open it one day and dust, the, dust the, 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 the dust off of it and to open it up and try to read it. Oh, but that's hard. I can't understand. If you don't even care enough about your eternity or about the words of God Almighty to open this up and to read it, you, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because he says any man that doesn't do that, he's like a man who builds his house upon the sand. And he says anybody that builds outside of God's word is going to collapse. The building, they're building it on human emotion. They're building it upon human opinion and all of these sort, sorts of things. Look at verse 28. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teachings. For he taught them as a man having authority and not as the scribes. I mean, they were, they were like, he doesn't... Speak like any of the religious leaders that we're hearing from. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all that. Even, they're saying he even has power to do what he says in his word. Even when he speaks it, he has the power to make it happen and to say and to do what it says. And, and, and so he speaks as one having authority. And he says, if you keep these sayings and when the wind comes and when the beats upon your house, it's not going to fall. But then he says, if you hold lightly to these words, then your house is going to fall fall, your homemade Jesus will not stand. Let me say that to the internet crowd. Your homemade Jesus that you made will not stand. It will not. Your homemade theology will not stand. How do I know that? Look at, the, look at Solomon. Do you remember Solomon, the wisest man who ever was? Do you remember he wrote all kinds of amazing things for us to read in the Word of God? He was the wisest man. He wrote things, but he couldn't follow the things that he wrote. And that's what I see out of most Christians, our so-called Christians today. They're ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. They're hearers of this book, but like James says, they are not doers. They're like a man who looks into a mirror and quickly when he goes away forgets what kind of man he looks like in the mirror because they won't do what the book says 
Anybody who doesn't do these words of mine, they don't take them to heart. They don't take them in. They don't do what it says. I like him to a man that's building on a sand. You're going to fall. Here's, what he, here's some things that Solomon had written. Do not accumulate horses. And he did it. He did it. He knew what the Word of God says, but he didn't listen and follow through on it. He could quote it. He wrote it for us, but he didn't do it. He accumulated horses. Do you know why God was saying that? God could care less if you have a horse or not. You know what it was? He was saying, I don't want you trusting in anything else but me. You're going to put your power in some kind of beast. You're going to, you're going to put your, your strength in some kind of horse for battle and all of these things. No, I don't want you accumulating these things. I want you to trust in me and my power. He went on to write to, to Solomon and what Solomon wrote. I don't want you to accumulate wives. Because what happens is you kings go in and you make trade deals with all kind of other kingdoms. And you begin to trade wives so that you can look out for one another and have each other's backs. I don't want you getting and going in and making alliances with other people and thinking you're strong because you got one of their wives and they got one of your wives and now you're going to look out for each other. I don't want that. I want you depending on me. So I'm forbidding you from doing these things. He told him, I don't want you to accumulate silver because I don't want you to trust in any other resource but me. I want you to trust in me. And so these things, he was saying, will take you away from the heart of God. They will take you away from God and they will move you far away. And folks, look at his pitiful end. You want to see the end of Solomon? Look at it in Proverbs 5, 7. Look at what it says. Therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of of my mouth and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and say how have I hated instruction and my heart despised correction that's most of the body of Christ that's most of American Christianity don't preach to me like this uh, you, don't have, you don't have any right to preach to me like that I want to feel good when I go to church I want to hear about the goodness and all of that folks this is the goodness of God this is going to save your life in the days ahead God is trying to rescue you. How I've hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin. His house was falling because he got apart from this, folks. His, he knew what to do. He knew he wrote it down and was supposed to follow it, but he decided to come outside of the Word. He had an opinion about it. What will it really be? Oh, when God says, get horses... He didn't really mean get horses. He meant this, right? Come on, isn't that what we do? God doesn't really mean that, preacher. I'm leaving your church. That's not what the Word really says. And so I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly in the congregation, Solomon says. Because I got away from this and didn't do what God said, eventually my house was built on a sinking foundation. And I was sitting in the midst of a congregation just like this in an assembly. And I was in total ruin. 
That's Solomon's life. He had access to the word. He chose his own reasoning. And it almost it brought him to total ruin. And that's where Jesus is saying, If you will hear my words and do them, then I will liken you to a man who is building his life upon the rock. And when the winds come and the waters come and beat against it, it will not fail. Let me read you something I heard one of my favorite pastors uh, preaching and reading the other day who I gleaned a lot of things from. He says this. This was an article. Everybody who ever has been to the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum, there's a man by the name of Ken Ham, great Bible teacher on creation and a lot of other things. But he wrote this article in regards to a recent survey by George Barna. And George Barna is respected all over for uh, his accuracy and a, a lot of things when it comes to surveys. And here's what Ken Ham wrote about a recent survey that was done. Most Americans create a customized worldview. And I want you to hear this because listen to this. Here's what he writes. Seven, and I'm going to read the entire article and please don't zone out. It's worthy to listen to and hear because it's vital for where we're at in this nation. Seven out of ten U.S. adults call themselves Christians. Seven out of ten. That this is this is this is frightening in my opinion. Seven out of ten, and this is why you can't speak to anybody right now because they're they're so oh you you go to try to speak the truth to people and they don't want to listen. They've closed their ears off because everybody's a Christian, right? But listen to are they? Because listen to these statistics. Seven out of ten U.S. adults call themselves Christians, and yet only six in one hundred. That's six percent actually have a biblical worldview. Only 6% of the people calling themselves Christian have a worldview where they want God in their worldview. Yeah, that ought to scare you as you're passing around everything, looking like everybody's so uh, on, the, on, the, uh, on the web and everywhere, and then you find out this is what they really believe. actually have a biblical worldview. And you wonder why our house in America is crumbling. So, what do the rest of Americans believe? Well, according to the research from the Cultural Research Center, there are seven major worldviews that Americans are most influenced by. Here they are. Biblical theism, Eastern mysticism, Marxism, Moralistic therapeutic deism, nihilism, postmodernism, and secular humanism. But that's just the beginning of the story. That's the seven major worldviews that we have in this nation going on right now. During a recent address for the Family Research Council, whose president is speaking uh, at an upcoming conference, pollster George Barna shared the most Americans blend their beliefs in, into a customized worldview. In other words, the dominant worldview in America and really the West today is syncretism. Syncretism. This is what most people in this room probably sadly have got seeped into their lives. They believe in syncretism. A little bit of this and a little bit of that blended into a worldview that's custom made by each person. So the sad part in here is most all of us have a different different worldview. That's why when we go out into this world and try to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ it's all jumbled and convoluted because it's not this. It's not what Jesus says. It's all All of our opinions about what Jesus says. And when we go out there, we confuse them all. It 
It's a custom made by each person. In other words, the dominant worldview in America and really the West today is syncretism. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, blended into a worldview that's custom made by each person. With such a worldview, there's no ultimate authority. Truth is determined by whatever seems right to each person. And sadly, this isn't unique to just outside the church. Actually, Christians, like many church leaders and Christian academics, hold to a form of secretism when they blend millions of years of other evolutionary ideas into the book of Genesis. It's really uh, taking man's pagan religion of our age that attempts to explain the universe without God by natural processes and meshing it with Scripture. Langerner Ministries recently released their biannual State of Theology survey and the results are a mess. They found that evangelicals, that's people who claim they follow Jesus, who claim they've, they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You want to hear what they believe? You want to hear what we believe? They hold to the host of beliefs that are far from Scripture, far from building your life on what Jesus says and having a building code that's going to stand in the last days. Your, your eyes and your face to me tell me in a lot of instances, I'm sorry, but some of you look like you really don't care, but I'm warning you, I'm warning you with everything that is in me. When I come up here, I'd rather just hang it up if I'm not going to preach something that really matters. This right here, I'm telling you, this is life and this is death. I believe it with every fiber in my being. I believe this. I believe what I'm talking about today. I believe what I'm saying about worldviews. I believe that whoever's house is built on this is going to stand and whoever isn't is not going to. And the thing that scares me that even in a room this small, there are many people in this room that are not built completely on this. But you think you are because you've sat in here all your life. But your opinions and your thoughts are so far from this and you don't even obey it. Me too. I'm talking to me. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at me too. You want to hear what we believe? You ready? 56% believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. That's evangelicals. That's not what God says. That's not a biblical worldview. Nearly half of evangelicals now believe God learns and adapts to different circumstances. In other words, God changes. That's not what God says. I'm the God who changes not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Seventy percent strongly agree that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. A heresy long condemned by the church. He was not created by God. He is, he, he is God. He is God the Son. He was the Creator. He has been with Him in the beginning and He always was. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was not the first created. He has always been. He always will be. He is from everlasting to everlasting. And yet, that's what many of your people that our counterparts in Christianity believe now. They're not going to make it when they're standing on a faulty foundation, folks. 38% see Jesus as a great teacher, but He was not God. That's, that's not the world, folks. That's, that's, you wonder why our children are leaving the faith. 
No, you wonder why your grandchildren, you wonder why your people are leaving left and right because this is the mess we've taught. 60% say the Holy Spirit is a force but is not a personal being. Between this answer and the previous one, we see a denial of the Trinity, even though earlier in the survey, 97% agreed that there is one true God in three persons, the God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And clearly, people are very confused about the doctrine and theology and don't really know what they believe. It's all on feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Fifty-seven percent believes everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. And sixty-five percent think everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. Thirty-seven percent, this is Christians, folks, this is evangelicals, supposedly. Thirty-seven percent agree that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. How many of we heard that and probably half in this room believe it and it's a lie out of the pit of hell? Religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. Don't, preacher, don't tell me what to do. I can have church by my, I don't need anybody in my business. It's a matter of personal opinion. It's not about objective truth. If it feels good, do it. There are some biblical teachings he goes on to write accepted by the majority such as hell is real, Jesus will return in judgment, sex outside of traditional marriage is sin, abortion is sin, and only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. And yet, as we saw above, half of the people who affirm the statement say that God accepts the worship of other religions. And over half strongly disagree with the statement that modern science disproves the Bible as well well as gender identity as a matter of choice. Now 99% of the evangelical survey, survey respondents said, the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe, but based on their answers, they either one, don't really believe that, or two, really don't know what that means, or number three, don't have a clue what the Bible teaches. This survey reveals that what Christians believe is a mess. They hold to the contradictory beliefs about a variety of things from who, who God is and what His nature is, to how they should view the Bible, to how people are saved. It's syncretism, mix of Christianity, and the thinking of our culture. Why does all this matter? Well, as Barna explained in his presentation, hear this. Your worldview is the filter that you use to see and understand and experience and respond to the world around you. Because your worldview enables you to make sense of the world, you need a worldview just to get through every single day. In fact, every single decision that you make, and you make hundreds of them, if not thousands every single day, every one of them flows through your worldview. The choices that you make are a result of what you believe as described by your worldview. Worldview matters. How you see the world has consequences for what you do, what you value, what you pass along to the next generation. A worldview that isn't 
firmly anchored in the truth of God's Word is ultimately going to shift and change with ideas that prevail in our culture such as Christians uh, such Christians can't be salt and light. It, it's like what Jesus described in Matthew. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall the saltiness be restored? If it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And like I wrote above, what you believe, what shapes and forms your worldview will determine what you pass along to your children and even your grandchildren. And Barna pointed out to research that found it only two percent of U.S. parents with children under the age of 13 have a biblical world view. He's a pretty accurate uh, surveyor. Only 2% of people with children under the age of 13 have a biblical worldview. He, answered, he added, why does that matter? Because you can't give what you don't have. And here we have 98 out of every 100 parents in America who cannot give their children a biblical worldview because they don't have one. How heartbreaking. That's why we're seeing such secularism, godlessness among Generation Z and a generation coming up after them. They've never been taught the things of the Lord because their parents can't pass along what they don't possess even if they want to. These statistics are very sobering, but it's not too late. You can develop a Christian worldview. You can pass it along to your children, but it starts with one thing. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. You've got to read your Bible. The way to have a customized worldview made up of whatever you feel is truth, whatever I feel is truth, and works for you, if that works for you but it doesn't work for me, is to be ignorant of the Word of God. If you want to honor the Lord in your thinking and have a worldview that accurately looks, like, looks at the world around you, you must get into God's Word, all of it, from Genesis to, Re Genesis to Revelation. And there's absolutely no replacement for time spent in God's Word. If there, It's there that He leads us to truth. Don't wait. And so, so that, that's what Barna says is the problem right now with our world. That's what's the problem in the church. And I, I want to take you to Peter real quickly. And I want to show you real fast the rest of this message about a life that, that, uh, that, 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 was, that didn't have a worldview for a while. And I want to show you what happens when, when a person doesn't have a worldview and what happens. And we're going to look at it through the life of Peter. So look at Matthew 16, 21 and, and, and uh, go there with me in your Bible. That's pretty sobering, isn't it? Does that trouble you? It, it, sadly, if it doesn't, it really, it really bothers my heart because I am really troubled by this. Really. If we don't get a hold of this, we're gone as a nation. Folks, if we don't get it back, if we don't get it back, a biblical worldview in our... And this is how divorce is, is so rampant in the church. This is, how, this is how homosexuality and gender confusion is so rampant. This is how fornication and adultery, this is how lying and, 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 and unforgiveness, this is how, because we have changed the, the Word of God and we made it into something, well, that might be the way you see it, but that's not the way my church sees it. That might not be the way I believe it, but that's the way you believe it. And we have, we have, we have altered and 
mushed and taken the view of society and all of these things and meshed them into God's Word. And it is a mess and it's lukewarm and it will not stand. God says, I'll spew that mess out of my mouth. It's not going to stand. And just like we see those houses that did not stand in the great earthquake and we've got hundreds of thousands of lives that are, that are totally destroyed. I am telling you, if you do not build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ and upon His true Word and upon Him truly, then, then we're not going to stand because heaven and earth will pass away. But my, what will remain? My Word will remain. That's the only thing that's going to remain, folks. That's the Word of God. So please hear this preacher today. And please, this is why we're trying to get you in the book. And we're trying to make it as easy as possible. And people scoff at us and laugh at us. We're trying to get you to read one chapter a day. That's enough. Read the chapter. Just get into the book and start to read the book yourself. Get into the book a little bit. If you're a scholar and you read tons of it, keep going. But if you haven't been in the book, read a little bit of this book every single day. It'll change your life. Amen? So Peter thought his worldview could, 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 could make his house stand. He, he thought his worldview could make his house stand. But he saw that it, that, it, that it couldn't. And that's the same problem we have today. Is there are a lot of people that think I can take a blended worldview. I can take parts of this book and I cannot believe it's absolute truth. It's just a good roadmap, good teaching. I can take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But I'm going to show you, according to Peter, he had a different worldview as well from this book, from what God says. And it, and it, didn't, it didn't fly and it didn't stand. Listen to what happened in the first instance. I want you to look at it in Matthew 16, 21. Look at what he says. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised from the dead. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, he had a different worldview. God's just told him. He just, he, we just had a biblical worldview. God Almighty Himself, Jesus Christ, the Word. He was with God in the beginning. He was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and, and He became flesh. And now you can't get any more pure than Jesus speaking to you the Word of God. And He's speaking the Word of God to Peter. Now, He's making it absolutely crystal clear Cole I'm about to go this is the words of God this is the word like reading the Bible I, I'm about to go the son of man and he's going to be handed over he's going to be crucified and what does Peter say uh-uh not my worldview ain't nobody not my Messiah gonna do that no way I rebuke that uh-uh we're in the name it and claim it don't say that bro. Jesus hush your mouth because if you say something it'll happen ooh and then and then he says suicide he rebuked him saying far be it from you Lord this shall not happen to you Peter chose his own interpretation of the word of God well brother that's just that, 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 I heard you preaching today that's your opinion we, we, that, that, that's not what I get when I read it right and we begin to bring syncretism in. We begin to change God's Word. We begin to make it into something else. We begin to blend it with other things. And all of a sudden, Peter is choosing to put his own interpretation on what Jesus just clearly spoke to them. What Jesus just clearly said is going to happen in the Word. I hear it all the time. When we, you have people stand up and begin to tell that it's going to get bad in the last days. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I, 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 I rebuke that. When the Word of God clearly tells us what's going to happen in the last Last days. 
And Peter chooses his own interpretation. And that's like a lot of American Christians today. We choose our own interpretation. We don't sing about the cross anymore in many of our churches. We don't sing about the blood anymore. We don't preach about the wrath of God. Only preach about the love of God. Or only preach about the wrath of God. And don't preach about the love of God. And we have all this stuff going on in our churches now. We don't talk about suffering as part of the Christian experience now. Because that will run people out of church and make them feel bad and because it's all about feelings and we don't want to hurt people's feelings and so now my feelings are hurt and so I don't, I, my, we don't need to hear that kind of negativity because the culture says we don't need negativity in our lives and because we blended everything else like Eastern mysticism and yoga and karma you all think karma is a Christian word that comes out of a false religion that just shows you another idea of how we blended all of these things together. Don't worry, they're going to blend it more and more and more and more in the days ahead. And that's all the more reason you got to know the book. And so all of a sudden, Peter is here and he's, the Word of God comes forth clearly. And P Peter chooses his own interpretation. And the Word was there and Peter's not listening. And that, again, describes many in our generation that are having uh, this today. They're just saying no way and they're forming their own theologies. Look at the second example of where we see Peter using his own worldview rather than God's worldview. Look at Matthew 26, 31. Then Jesus said to them, Jesus said, the word of God says. What do we say building the building code is? Jesus says. The word says. And here's what the word of God is saying to Peter right there standing in front of him. All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after that I have been raised, I will go before you in Galilee. That's the word of God, friend. That is the word of God given clearly to Peter and these disciples. And listen to what Peter says. And Peter answered in verse 33 and said to him, Even if all were made to stumble because of you, what did the word of God just say to the man? No, really, because this is us. What did the Word of God just say to this man? All of you. How, what do you not understand about all? All of you are going to stumble this night because of me. They're going to strike the shepherd and the sheep are going to scatter. You're going to scatter and you're going to run and you're going to hide. And then Peter says, no, if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Come on, I preach things that everybody will say. Oh, I mean, you know, like, like uh, I mean, we all, we come up and change God's theology all day long. If I was to say, probably most everybody in this room are going to sin again. I can, hear it, I can hear it now. Oh, no, I rebuke, I'll never sin again. When John says, if you say you never sin, you're a liar. That doesn't mean I want to go sin. I mean, I'm trying not to sin. That doesn't mean that I, I'm out now. I want the Holy Spirit to keep me from sinning. And what Peter is saying here, his worldview is saying, no, I can stand in my own strength. I've got determination. His estimation about it, that it, his, his thought is, I can stand when nobody else stands. I will never fall, Jesus. I'll never sin. I'll never make another of the mistakes since I've come. I'll, I'll, I'll be with you to the very end. And so he has this different worldview than the Word of God. And Peter doesn't believe that he needs to be, be delivered uh, in this instance. He's thinking, I can muster up enough strength 
I can stand and I won't fall. I won't admit the others may fall, but I'll never fall. I don't need to be delivered. Peter did not believe at this point that he needed a deliverance. He thought everything he could do was in his own strength, even though the Word of God told him something different. Look at Matthew 26, 34. Jesus said unto him, Jesus took it even further. He said, assuredly, then I'll tell you, Peter, it ain't going to be just you scattered today. I got bad news for you. I say to you, Jesus says, I say to you, this is the word of God, that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And God help us when the word comes to us and we come to the conclusion that we're not in line with the word. I mean, I mean... God help us when we, when we come to that conclusion and we find out we're not in line with what the Word of God really says. Uh, and, and, and we choose our own thoughts and our own thinking. How many in this generation are choosing their own thoughts and their own thinking above the Word of God? I mean, half of our classes are that, about arguing and debating about what we think. It doesn't matter what we think. What does the Word of God say? What does the Word of God say? And so, so here's Peter uh, choosing their own thoughts above the Word of God, thinking that his house has the power to stand even in his own strength. So he comes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and I want you to see this, because here's where the storm comes. Remember what we read in the beginning? That, that, that though the storms may come, they're coming. They came to the guy on the, high, on the rock, and they came to the guy like Peter right now who's not building on the rock, and, and all, not building on the Word of God. He's adding something something to the Word of God. He's adding another biblical worldview, another opinion, his own opinion over God's opinion. And that's the problem. We're adding our opinion over what God says, and we need to take what God says. And listen to what he says. He comes down to the garden, and listen to what God says to him in Matthew 26, verse 40. Then he came to the disciples, found them sleeping, and noticed something. I've never seen this. He said to Peter, Mr. Mr. I'll stand. Everybody thinks this is about prayer. You couldn't pray with me for one hour. It's not about prayer. This is about Peter. You said you would go all the way to Jerusalem with me. And you would go and even die with me. And yet you can't even pray one hour with me. Where's your strength now? Because when the storm came. And when it beat vehemently against his house, Peter's house fell. And this is what's going to happen if you build your house on another worldview or a mixture worldview. It's not going to stand when the storm comes. Peter's house fell in this instance right here. And God wanted to, the Lord wanted to show him. It pounds on, on his house. The floods of ungodliness have come into that garden. The floods of ungodliness, the words, the, the, the winds of adversity are now inside of that garden right there. Do you understand? Floods of, uh, 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 
of, 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 of ungodly. That's coming in our nation now. Floods of ungodly coming against the church, coming against you, coming against your family. Winds of adversity are coming now in that garden. And what does Peter do? He thinks he has the strength to stand and make it. His theology is off of from what God's Word says. And all of a sudden when he finds himself in this moment, Peter is confused and the Bible says they scatter. He denies Jesus. His house falls and it's absolutely a mess. But here's the beautiful part. When Peter is outside weeping bitterly, when he's outside weeping bitterly, right here at the end, it gets so exciting, Brother Jimmy, because I want you to look at what it says. Oh my goodness, look at what it says. Look at the next verse. Is this it? Right here. And Peter, he's out crying. He is, his house has fallen. It has fallen. The house is gone. He built it on a wrong view. This is what's happened to American Christianity. This is what has happened to our sons and daughters. This is what has happened in the church now. But hopefully real soon, as the winds of adversity come, and as the winds begin to beat and blow, we're going to remember God's Word. And Peter remembered the Word of Jesus who said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. He remembered the Word of God and remembered Peter's words and hope began to arise in Peter's heart. Folks, he said, you told me I would deny you and guess what? Your word was exactly right and you said after that, you would restore me. I choose to believe you now, God. Man! And that's a house that now can stand. That's a house that when the winds of adversity blow, that's a house that when the floodwaters rise and begin to beat up on that house, Peter says, I'm not, I ain't doing my worldview anymore. I'm not depending on my strength anymore. I'm taking what God says in that book literally, and I'm standing on the Word of God. No matter if my flesh is offended by it, no matter if I like what it says or doesn't like what it says, this is truth, and it's going to stand in the last days, and I don't get that book to align with me and my life. Lifestyle, I get me to align with that book and that lifestyle. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't conform that to me and my thinking. I don't build it around, do I want to go to church or not go to church? I don't build it around, how do I want to raise my children or not raise my children? I don't build it around, God, you conform and you do what I say and you do what I like and you do what I feel. No, I go into the book and even when it conflicts with something in my life, I bow to that and say, God, that is what I'm going with. Amen? And even if I have to lose my job in the day ahead, and even if they have to write me up a pink slip. And even if I had to get kicked out of college and never get a college degree. And even if I had to quit the sports and all these other things that where the world is just, just coming in and making us compromise and making us go across this. And we've yielded to it because we love those things so much that we just start mixing it with God's biblical worldview to make it all right. No, I'm going to stand on the Word of God now. When it comes to marriage, when it comes to church, when it comes to whatever, I'm going to stand on God's Word. Amen? Amen. And I believe the church is going to come back to this soon. I really do. I believe there's going to be a remnant. 
And maybe just in Kentucky, we're seeing the first fruits of it. I don't know. If you don't know, there was a group of university kids at Asbury University, and they went to just a normal service like this, and they didn't know what was going to hit them. And all of a sudden, they've been going for almost a month now. They have not stopped, and people are starting to come in, and, and they can't stop it. People are repenting. It started with kids getting up and giving testimonies of their life, and they're just flocking to this, this, this place, and it's starting to happen. Who knows? We're not to flock there like Daniel said. No, we need it here. We need it there. We need it everywhere. Maybe this is the latter rain and God's just going to start letting it come out on different places and we'll see revival and a returning back to God's Word. Amen? But as the ship goes down in this world, people will cry out, have mercy on me. And I think that we're in a mercy moment. That as the ship is going down, as the financial markets are going down, as objects are peering on our skies and we don't know what, it's going to, what that's going to lead to, as wars and rumors of wars, as all these things begin to come on our horizon, people are going to begin to cry out, Oh God, have mercy. Have mercy. And hopefully they're going to build their life on this book and, 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 going, to, and going to say, I'm not going to add to it anymore. And I'm not going to take away from it. I'm going to take it like it is. I'm going to open up the pages and if it says to do something, I'm going to do it. And it says, if it says don't do something, I'm going to not do it. And this book, folks, is going to become our biblical worldview again. Second Timothy says it like this. Maybe we'll sing that. Come on up, praise team. We'll sing that last song we sang, Cornerstone. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear. The whole world is in fear. The storms are coming on the world and people are in fear. But God has not given you a spirit of fear. But He's given you a, a, a power. Not, not power from Peter. Not a worldview power. Power from God. Power from God. He's given us power. His Word. The power of the Holy Spirit. And He's given us, we're compelled by love. We're compelled by love to go out and to be moved into the world by love. Not by some program like we come and we begin to say, hey, we're going out to witness. No, you are compelled to move out into the world by love. And you have a sound mind or theology, which is... A, a solid ground. You have a sound theology. If you don't have a sound, well, I don't like that doctrine stuff. Well, that's what's got us in trouble over the last several years. You need a sound theology. Amen. That'll give you a sound mind. And then no matter what the world throws at us, we stand. We trust in God. Listen, they came out of that upper room. They went into that upper room with their worldview and, and they were all scared and they were all scattered. But when they came out of that, that upper room, they came out with God's view of the world. And they had power. The power of the Holy Spirit. And they had love. And they had a sound mind. And Peter got up. This very one who crumbled in his house fell. Got up on the day of Pentecost. And spoke to over 3,000 people. And preached the word of God. To the same people. Not with his worldview, But now with God's opinion of the world. And he preached. And he began to say. You untoward generation. Who, who of you is going to stand in this last day? Are you crazy? You need to repent. You need to repent and come out from this generation. And you need to come 
and turn towards God. And he began to come out, not with his opinion, but God's opinion. And as he began to do this, people began to rip their garments and begin to prick their hearts and they begin to turn and want to be saved. What must we do to be saved, man? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and you shall be saved. He didn't say trust in whatever God you want to. There's a bunch of them out there. Pick one and it'll be okay. No, that's man's worldview. He came out with what the book says. God's worldview. And he said there's salvation in no other name but one. One name given under heaven where men can be saved. The name of Jesus. For there is one mediator between God and man. And that's the man Christ Jesus who gave his life for us. And see, the devil doesn't want you coming out of an upper room like this one today. With God's opinion. And this is why he fights this. But when it has, see, a biblical worldview is like this. It's like pillars under your house. You ever seen pillars under the house that make the house strong, set up on pillars? We used to see that a lot, Right? Changing the worldview from a biblical worldview is like getting a sledgehammer and saying, bam, bam, I'm changing that and I don't believe that. And every time you do that, you're hitting your pillar with a sledgehammer and you're making your house unstable. That's how important a biblical worldview is. When you disagree or change the word, you're taking a sledgehammer to your house and it's going to fall. Now listen, here, here, this is it. This is it. This is closing. Many ships are going down in the future. Many houses are going to fall. Many things that people have put their trust in is going to go away. But God never fails. Okay? Now I'm telling you, folks. If you've got your faith in the almighty dollar, you've got your faith in the F-22, you've got your faith in the U.N., you've got your faith in Washington, you've got your faith in that I'm going to go to college and I'm going to make a lot of money, you've got your faith in a certain Fortune 500 country, you've got your faith in all of these things. I'm telling you what, they're going, uh, you've got your faith in the wrong place. They'll fail, but God never fails. And here's what I think as the ships go down. I think it's going to be like an Acts 27 moment. And there was a guy in there with this biblical worldview and the word of God. And nobody would listen to him. He warned them before the storm. He warned them in the storm. Like I've been doing for years. We've been doing. You've been doing. Warned them and warned them. And nobody wanted to listen. Warned them at work. Warned the children. Warned these. Warned those. those, Everywhere. Tried to tell them. Screaming from the housetop. And he tried. And finally this man Paul is down in the belly of the ship. He told him, I have a word from God for you. I know what to tell you. I know what's going to happen. We don't want to hear it, man. But when the storm got so severe 
that the ship was breaking apart and they were throwing all their tackling off the sides. They were putting bailouts. Print more money. Hurry, hurry. It's going to crash. Hurry, inflation's coming. Put more money in it. Hurry, get more of this. Get more of that. Fix it. Plug the hole. We're going down. And when all of a sudden everything started getting worse and worse and worse and worse and when it finally started, they put ropes on her, started breaking apart. Throw out the tackle. Throw everything we've ever done before and try something new. And then all of a sudden when finally it was going to break apart and there was nothing they could do. Where's that man? Where's that man? Where's the church? Where's that person who, who told me? Who, where's that man? Go get the man that's down there in, in captivity down in the ship who tried to tell us what was going to happen. And all of a sudden he comes up. And he, I love what, what, what I read a book. It says he goes from captain, captive to captain in about five seconds. Now they're listening and he's guiding the ship. And he says, sirs, I'll tell you what. I've been with God and an angel visited me this night. And though this ship is going down, and though this world system is going to get worse and it's going down, I got good news for you. God said not one soul here will be lost. He said 275 plus me, 76, we're all going to make it. The boat's not going to make it. The world system's not going to make it. It's not going to look the same when we come out of this. Some of you, if you know how to swim, swim to the shore. If you don't know how to swim, get on a piece of wood. It's called the cross. And we're going to make it. And all of us will make it. And sure enough, His Word. I rebuked that. My worldview. No. It was the Word. And He spoke it to them. And it happened just that way. And all of them were safe and sound. Folks, I'm begging you with everything in me. Begging you to read this book. Get a biblical worldview. It'll change the world. It'll change your family. It'll change this church. It will change everything. Because here's the deal. All People right here, you are involved in building. And you want to know what the building materials and the storm-proof material is for your house? It's called obedience to this.